The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the Town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Community Conversations on the BMC Podcast Network. I'm your host, Roger Colton. Well, folks, we had a moose loose in Belmont last spring, and it seems as though Belmont residents are having increasing interactions with a variety of animals that we don't normally think of as part of the urban living experience. Turkeys, coyotes, foxes, and the like. Here in the next few weeks, During the fall months, it's likely that encounters with wildlife will increase. And so today I've invited John Maguranis to to join us. John is the animal control officer for the town of Belmont. John, thanks for for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Roger. Uh, I would like to talk about wildlife today. I know that in your capacity as uh, animal control officer... You address issues not only dealing with wildlife, uh, but issues dealing with domestic animals as well. But let's set aside domestic animals. I think we've got so much to talk about, we'll never finish. That's probably right. (laughs) Um, The animal control officer is part of the the Belmont Department of Health, right? Correct, yes. Can can you tell us, uh, what what do you do? On a daily basis, I patrol all the areas, um, all the parks, school grounds, um, do foot patrols, Rock Meadow, Lone Tree Hill, and basically enforce uh, animal control bylaws. That's my primary responsibility. Um, but I also do a lot of um, wildlife stuff, you know, looking, watching, um, researching, because um, I feel the more I know about the wildlife in town, the more I can educate the residents here as well. People of course, took notice of the moose last year. Let's talk about that up front and then uh, set it aside. Uh, that was obviously atypical, right? Is there a story behind? I don't know if there's a story. Um, I don't really know much about how it got here. Um, it appeared um, in Watertown, I believe, at first, and then in the Waverly Square area, and then then it kind of disappeared in the woods. And um, myself and the environmental police um, search for that moose up and down, all around. And I never even got to see it. it was, you know, that's how elusive they are. But eventually it got hit by a car in Weston and it had to be put down. What kind of wildlife uh, would Belmont residents expect to see around town? Um, but, you know, you'd be surprised. We, we really have a plethora of, of wildlife here, um, from river otters to coyotes, um, Maybe bobcat sometime in the near future, um, fishers, um, you know, you, you name it. We, we've got it all. It really, it's just amazing what kind of wildlife can thrive in an area that's, you know, six, seven miles from downtown Boston. It's just amazing. <laughs> and I indicated that fall is a time when wildlife encounters uh, are likely to Increase. My understanding is that it's what's called dispersal time. Correct. 
Um, but mostly the, the encounters people are going to really see is going to be with coyotes. Um, the rest of the animals are, you know, they, they will be dispersing October, November, but um, they're, they're not very much noticed, but coyotes are for and, sure. And what does it mean that it's dispersal time? Um, I have an image in my mind of what I think it means, but I don't know if that's correct. Um, dispersal is, you know, most all the wildlife is born in the spring, so that gives the parents the opportunity to train them all summer long. And um, so by October, November, um, some parents of wildlife will actually kick their babies out, you know, to have them go and get their own territory. Um, but with coyotes, it's kind of funny because they, they kind of have a choice. They can leave or they can stay. So it's frequently we'll see, you know, a pack of six, seven coyotes. And that would usually mean that some of the pups from the previous year chose to stay. And um, so you'll see, you it, it's it's not uncommon to see six or seven coyotes at a time. Although I've been monitoring their, their population here for a long time and uh, only once have I seen six coyotes. So and then breeding time uh, comes up later in the winter, right? Right, January and February. And are there differences in animal behavior during breeding absolutely, time? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, as far as dispersal goes, people walking their dogs may see a coyote pop up and, you know, ahead of them and, and look at them um, and then kind of trot away and then see, see them again maybe off to the side or behind them. And they frequently think that they're being stalked. But if it's January, February, most likely it's a pup that has gotten has been given free reign of, of their territory from their parents, and they're very curious. So if they see a person and a dog, um, it may be the first time for them, and so they they're very curious. So it's very common um, to hear reports, even even from my peers, ACOs all around the state, tell me the same thing that October, November, they get all these calls from you know people thinking that they're being stalked. So, but the rest of the wildlife, they're just they're just kind of kicked out from their parents, and and um, and they disperse. They they go out and, and try to find their you know their own places. And unfortunately, um, with ninety five and Route two and all those uh, major highways, a lot of them get killed. Now, I I walk my dog. Uh, I I have a puppy. Well, he's ten years old, but uh, I have a puppy. I walk him at. 11 or 12 o'clock uh, at night and if I were to see a coyote is there should I just ignore it um what's the thing well to do? it depends on the size of your dog for one thing your dog is about 30 pounds so um it's kind of big for a coyote to consider it a food source um but this time of year you may see a, coy- uh, a pup and he may just stop and, and stare at you and um so what I recommend um, anyone, whatever size dog you have, is just to stop, pull your dog in close, and just observe the behavior of the coyote. And, you know, if it's just kind of watching it, I would recommend just start walking toward it. And it should run away. Um, if it doesn't and you're concerned, because a lot of people have fears of coyotes, then just turn around and start heading home and um, just, you know, be aware where it's at. Um, there's virtually little risk of having an encounter, an encounter like that so because because they're afraid of people 
And are there things that people should do, uh, protections that people should take outside of the walking situation that I described? Absolutely. About dogs and cat. I, I think of cats in particular. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, cats, I, I, I really highly recommend never letting them outside. Um, it's a myth that people think that they they have to go outside to nurture their um, their wild instincts. It's a myth. They can nurture that at home. <laughs> um, you can make them happy by putting perches on windows and stuff like that. But I'm I'm really really highly against letting cats out. Um, and it's not just because of, of wildlife, but cars and dogs and other things. So I don't recommend um, letting your cats out at all. If you do. Um, and you get up in the morning to see them shredded on your front lawn, you know, the way I look at it, that's your fault. That's not a wild animal fault. You know, they're just being wild animals. And if you're letting your cat out, you're putting them in the food chain. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, we've talked a, a bit about the, the seasonality, the, the dispersal time during the fall, the breeding time during January, February. Are there yearly cycles uh, or multi-year cycles in, in wildlife sightings um, or encounters? Well, coyotes only only breed once a year. They only go into heat once a year for um, seven days. So it's a very small period of time that they can mate. Um, but getting back to the original question, um, we talked about dispersal, but when, when coyotes are mating January and February, they can become territorially aggressive. So even if you had a 30, 40-pound dog, which I would think is, is roughly in the safe zone um, as far as being looked at as a prey item. But January and February, when testosterone and hormones are running high, um, they'll look at dogs as competition. And if they're competing for a mate or competing for a territory, it's very common for them to attack a larger dog. So January and February, I just highly recommend people don't let them loose, you know, have them on a leash. Um, there's been virtually no encounters that I'm aware of in the state of Massachusetts of a coyote in, encountering a person with a dog on, on a, a leash, leash, a short, you know, six foot or four foot leash. So you've, you're relatively safe with that. But um, letting them run loose, you know, if you have a German Shepherd or, you know, whatever, um, you know, people think that, well, you know, I've, I've got a big German Shepherd or Rottweiler and he's safe. He's not really. You know, you have to realize that these are wild animals. They run all day. They're they're toned. They're, you know, in tip-top shape. And it, they will go after, you know, a large dog. And I've seen, I've seen pictures of dogs that have been, you know, sliced open from coyotes in January, February, you know, breeding season. So I caution people, you know, to, to keep your dogs, uh, you know, on a leash and observed. Now, I'd like to read you something. Um, I'm going to warn you ahead of time that, that what I'm about to read really makes sense to me, uh, and I'd like your reaction to it. Um, it goes, Massachusetts is losing about 40 acres a day to development. There's a whole lot of wildlife in 40 acres, and they, uh, referring to the wildlife, and they're trying to survive like the rest of us in an ever-shrinking world. That's one reason they are coming into our neighborhoods. Very true. What's your reaction to that? Well, it's absolutely 100% true. Um, 
we are losing on average 40 acres a day and that's a lot of wild, that's a lot of land and, and a lot of wildlife in, uh, can occupy that so they're going to have to go somewhere and you know they're not going to just roll over and die they're they're survivalists and and so we'll see more of them in our cities and towns doesn't really apply so much to coyotes because coyotes um, are a type of animal that are really well suited for this kind of living you know in Belmont um, Lexington, Arlington, this kind of area. So um, they're not really getting pushed out of those those areas. Um, they're just kind of moving into our areas because it's it's good living. That quote, what that quote tells me, is that we need to find a way to coexist. That uh, some people, including perhaps me, twenty years ago would have thought, oh, well, we need to trap the, uh, if we see a coyote or a fox, we need to trap it and relocate it outside the urban area. But in many ways, that seems sort of a hopeless uh, loop to get into. It really is. And A, it's illegal. You cannot trap wildlife and relocate it. And a lot of people do it. And I, you know, I catch people doing it all the time. People trap, trying to trap woodchucks or rabbits out of their backyard because they have a you know, a nice garden or whatever, and then they take them out to Rock Mountain and let them go. Or what, and, and so that it, that is entirely illegal. It can't do it um, for some good reasons. Um, but as far as coexisting, I, I I'm you know I'm so supportive of that movement or idea because people don't realize that you know wildlife have territories, and so if you have say a, a woodchuck, and you trap them and move them or kill them or whatever, um, you have to remember he, he's in your backyard for a couple of reasons. One, it's good living. He's got plenty of food. He's got a nice house. He probably, you know, built a nice burrow somewhere, and, and there's food and water. And so that's good living. So if you look at it kind of like as an apartment and you go in there and take that animal out, that apartment becomes vacant and up for grabs. And sooner or later, another woodchuck is going to move in because – it's good woodchuck living. And so people who hire companies that come out and trap and kill the wildlife, um, they're just going to get into a cycle of violence because it, those animals are going to come back, and then the, the, they're going to hire these people again, and they're going to spend a lot of money because those uh, pest control guys are, are expensive. And, and they just get into a cycle of killing animals instead of learning ways to keep them humanely out of your backyard. And I, I talk to people all the time um, about how, ways to do that. What would you recommend to folks in Belmont? For what, what type of animal? Uh, wh- why don't we start, well, let's set aside uh, coyotes. Uh, well, no, let's talk about coyotes first. Okay. Um, first of all, if you, if you have, like, say, a small dog and you have a five-foot fence, um, he is not safe. You cannot let that dog out in the middle of the night unsupervised um, because a coyote can clear a five-foot fence really easy, and they have. And, um, and you know, I love dogs more than anything on this planet, and I mean that. And so my go- and I love coyotes, but I love dogs more than anything. So my goal is to really educate people on how to prevent their dogs from, from becoming prey. So in regards to coyotes, you could put motion-activated floodlights um, the coyote comes through your yard at night, lights come on, they could say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't like this. Um, 
little things like uh, pinwheels, those little plastic pinwheels. You can put those on, you know, on the perimeter of your fence or in your yard. Um, they have been known to, to kind of spook coyotes. They just they don't like change, like something new. It makes them really feel cautious. Um, and the best thing really is a good six-foot fence. Um, and you can make your own coyote rollers. Um, next week when I'm doing that uh, the media thing, um, I will show people how to how to rig something up on their fences to keep coyotes from getting in. Because they will, if, the, if it's a six-foot fence, they can jump up and hook their legs on the top and climb over. Um, but you can make a little roller. So if he jumps up, there, he's just going <laughs> to roll back. Um, so there are ways you can keep coyotes out. Hazing is the biggest, best way to deal with coyotes in a community. And it can be become a community um not event, but a community practice, and and I'm really going to focus on that next week. Um, and, and what do you mean by hazing? Well, hazing is just basically, um, you know, for years and years, people have been told to wave their arms and bang pots and pans and yell at the coyotes, and at first that really worked. But what people don't realize is that the way coyote behavior is, you scare them away, they they'll run 50, 60 yards, and they'll stop and turn around and reevaluate. And if they see you walking back into your house or you're not there anymore, then that initial act of waving your arms or whatever you did to scare them away now becomes irrelevant to them, you know. And so over time, these they, guys are they've learned They've learned that that's non-threatening. Right. It, it, nothing negative happened to them. Yes. So I will teach the correct way to haze coyotes. And it's really simple. It's just once you scare them away, you just keep walking in the direction that they went. And when they turn around, it, they have to see you still coming. And that's how you haze a coyote properly. Because when he turns around and sees you still coming at him, he's going to think that as a real threatening act. It's a very aggressive posture on, on our part. So um, that gets their attention. And it works. And I've done it. Um, I've hazed coyotes before, and they've never come back to the whatever area that I did it in. So it's very effective. And... Um, and uh, again, I'm willing to teach anybody how to do it, and uh, and I'll be talking about that in depth next week. And I've heard recently that there are fisher in Belmont, or I've traditionally called them fisher cats, but I yeah, I they're just fishers. That I don't fishers. know how or why they call them fisher cats because there's no relation. Okay. Um, but they're they're a phenomenal little animal. They're nocturnal. They're arboreal. They live in trees. They were actually imported by mill companies because um, their primary prey is porcupine, which chew bark and kill trees. So the mill companies imported fishes a couple hundred years ago to kill all the um, porcupine. So, um, so now we have fishes running around everywhere. But it, very rarely will you see one. Um, but you might hear one, and if you do, it'll just raise the hair on the back of your neck. It's a, it's a really wild sound. But um, incredible little animals. Um, there's no research that I've read or, or indicating that, that fishes will kill cats, um, although everyone thinks they do. But um, until I see a scientific research paper about fishers and cats that's, you know, that indicates that, then, yes. I, then I don't believe it. You know, they're just they're not big enough. You know, they're only 15 pounds max. So um, that's that. <laughs> 
Uh, we are talking today with uh, John Magaranis. Uh, John is Belmont's animal control officer, and in that capacity, he is the person in town government that deals with wildlife encounters. Uh, John, uh, one thing that I always hear, and I don't know if it's true or not, uh, is people who are concerned when they see wildlife during the daytime. Uh, you mentioned fishers being nocturnal, but uh, I hear neighbors saying, oh, we saw something uh, you know, on Raleigh Road d during the daytime. I is that an accurate concern or a legitimate concern? Well, I don't know if legitimate is the right word, but... If you yeah. asked me this question 16 years ago when I started here in Belmont, I would have said, yeah, that's a concern, you know. But um, over the past 16 years, I have learned that there are tons of nocturnal animals that are out during the day that are perfectly healthy and fine. So what I tell people is just because he's out in broad daylight doesn't mean that it's, you know, got rabies or, you know, everyone thinks if they see a skunk during the day, it's got rabies or a raccoon. Um, it's just not true. So I just tell people, you know, just look at the behavior. You know, if it looks like a healthy animal, then, you know, maybe he didn't get enough food the night before and he's out foraging. Or, um, you know, what all these lawn contractors running around, they could they could have a, a, a place where they, they curl up during the day and, and they get spooked, you know, by leaf blowers or whatever. So there's a ton of reasons why you would see wildlife out during the day that not, that is not typically a normal activity for them. But... Um, and ki in regards to coyotes, they're not nocturnal. They are um, crepuscular, which means that they're more active at nighttime. Or, you know, they're more active when we're less active. Uh -huh. So when we go to bed at night and there's less people around, that's when they feel more comfortable. So they're m out more during the evening hours. But you can see them anytime, day and night. I've got hundreds of pictures of coyotes right here in Belmont during the day. So... Um, they're not, not they're not nocturnal. They're crepuscular. So and all those other animals, it's just you know, just watch their behavior. You know, if they're if they're walking in circles and falling down, call me. You know, it may be sick and it may be you know there may be a need to remove it. So, um, but if it looks like a healthy animal, then you know, don't worry about it. And if people need to get you, they should call what phone number? Um, they can. The best number, the best thing to do is just call the police department because and I can be dispatched directly from them. Um, um, and if it's after hours and there's, you know, somebody has a real concern, the police will also call me. So the best number is just call the Belmont Police Department and they'll, they'll dispatch me. That's great. When, uh, you said that you have lots of pictures. I, I have heard that, uh, that you're a real proponent of picture taking of wildlife. It, it is, is that correct? I am, but, uh, um, safely. You know, I, I'm, okay. I'm highly against uh, photographers putting out food to attract to wildlife attract, of to get pictures. Feeding wildlife is the worst thing anybody can do in any community. Um, it's just a recipe for disaster, and usually the animals end up paying for it. But, um, yeah, if I see wildlife, I, I love to, you know, whip out my camera and try to get a couple pictures. And I've got a really big lens, so I don't really need to be up close to them. Uh -huh. So... Yeah, I think I think it's great. I, I love wildlife. I think it's beautiful. Um, it's amazing what types of wildlife we have here. You know, I mean, we've had uh, river otter one time in, in Claypit Pond. It was it's just amazing. I've got pictures of that. Um, we've had beaver 
in a couple of different places in Belmont. Um, so we've got weasels, we've got great horned owls, and we have eagles. Um, just, just so many different types of animals. It's just awesome. Uh, I've um, uh, one thing that I've tried to do uh, on this podcast is to increase the interaction between the community and our town employees. Uh, are there ways for people to be involved with you on wildlife uh, uh, issues? Uh, uh, are there opportunities for community involvement? Do you do trainings? Do you do presentations? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm not even sure <clears throat> to increase the, the town community hands-on experience. Um, the education part is, is, is um, my primary goal. I'm also the Massachusetts representative for Project Coyote, which is a national organization. So part of my duty there is to educate people. Um, over the years, I've written a ton of articles here in Belmont. I've been, you know, on the cable and TV, and I've done, you know, regular news interviews and stuff like that. But education is key. Um, knowledge conquers fear, and there's a lot of fear regarding coyotes and other an other animals that are based on myths and, and misconceptions. So, I am really into doing um, education, and lately, in the past couple of years. Um, it seems like these community um, associations are popping up. And so I've actually done a couple in-home presentations with, you know, like one little community with all the neighbors come. And, and, and it's really great. I really enjoy, enjoy doing that. Um, and it's easy, and I'm willing to do it. I've done, I've done at least one here in Belmont, um, but I've done them all over the place. So, yeah, people can call me. Um, I'll even come talk to them individually, you know. I, I love the face-to-face -face encounters with people whenever I do foot patrols. I always love to go up and talk to people, uh, meet their, them and their dogs, and, and talk to them about coyotes and wildlife or whatever. So I am I'm very open to um, all of all and any types of, of education. So what I just heard is it's not just a Cub Scout or a Girl Scout troop or something like that. It's a neighborhood get-together or a church get-together yep. uh, or I any type of club or group of people. Right. I've, I've done it for the Armenian Club. I've done it in in-home associations. I've done it at churches. I've done, you know, um, classes with the, with the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. And I've even gone into the public schools. Um, you know, I have a stuffed coyote that I've had for years and years, and I use her as a as a prop, and uh, people love to see Lily. So, uh, yeah, I'm 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 into that. You know, that's 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 all me right there is getting out there and talking to people and and, and, and educating them. So people should just uh, call the town of Belmont uh, and uh, call John Magaranis. I'm going to get this. Uh, right. They can, call, they can call the health department, 617-993-2720, and, um, and they'll hook, you know, um, I'll get hooked up with them, and, and I can help them out. One last question. Um, Belmont used, I, I believe, used to map coyote sightings. Yeah. Does the, the town still do that? Yeah. The IT department in, at the town hall is just phenomenal, and um you know, I came up with the idea, and um, Todd and the IT guys, they just, like, within an hour or so developed this thing. It's just amazing. But, yeah, you can go to my 
um, uh, Belmont webpage uh, from the health department. And there's directions on there how you can go in. Like, say you're walking down Raleigh Road and, and it's 5 o'clock at night and you see a coyote. Well, you can go home and get online and plot it exactly where you saw it and when. And there's other you know, things that you can input if you want to. You don't have to, you know, phone number, name, whatever. Um, and so then people can also go in and see where the sightings have been and, um, and when. So... Um, if if a neighbor's concerned about coyotes, they can go on there and look. And if there's you know a ton of sightings in that little area, then yeah, you know that's that's a red flag for for people being a little bit more cautious with their animals. But it's a, it's a great tool, it, and and um, we're the only, we're the first ones that ever do it. And now that it's being done all over the place, you know. So uh, hats off to the ID, IT department; they really came up with the great way of doing that and it was really easy for them you know it took them you know very little time so um i'm really proud of that i'm proud of the it department because like i said we we were the first ones to do that all nationwide i think and now everyone's kind of popping up and doing it so good deal yeah well we're we're out of time uh thanks for coming to talk with us uh, today we have been talking with uh, uh, John Magaranis today, who is the animal control officer for the town of Belmont, and in his capacity as animal control officer, John works with uh, wildlife encounters and wildlife uh, in the town of Belmont. Uh, you have been listening to Community Conversations. I'm your host, Roger Colton. You can access Community Conversations online at the BMC Podcast Network at belmontmedia.org. And you can also download us from iTunes by searching for the BMC Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. I'm your Community Conversations host, Roger Colton, and I will talk to you again in two weeks.